Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we offer resources to equip you and stories to inspire you on your adoption journey. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it, and we're here for you. Each month, we host a workshop where we invite a guest expert to share their knowledge and expertise. This week, we're bringing you a recording from a recent workshop. We hope you enjoy it. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Successful Vacation Planning for Adoptive Families. This month, we have invited two adoptive moms who have a lot of vacation planning experience and then also are doing work in that area in some capacity or another. They'll get to tell you a little bit more about that. Without further ado, I am going to let Rachel and Kristen introduce themselves. So uh, Kristen, will you start us off? Sure. So I'm Kristen Perso. Melissa and I know each other as adoptive moms. And I am a mom to four kids. We have two girls who are teenagers who are biological, and we have two boys who are 12 and nine who are adopted. Our son, um, Samson, who's 12, is adopted from Uganda, and our son, Aiden, is adopted from China. They've been with us for about 10 and six years or so, so we've had them for quite a while in our family We love to travel. I grew up traveling, did a lot of road trips with my family growing up, and we have continued traveling between my husband and I as we've had kids just because we love to do it. Um, And we pretty much always, I'm actually trying to think, I don't think my husband and I have ever done more than like a night or two very short trip because we don't, we've never really had a good situation of oh, we can leave our kids with grandparents or anything like that. So we've always done travel as a family. So whether it's been one, two, three, or now four kids, it's pretty much all of us going together. So some of the things that are great about that are that we have a lot of great memories. We've traveled a lot of different places. When I was looking at the list, we've done international travel because we took our girls with us when we adopted Samson and Aiden. So they've been to Uganda and China. We've done road trips. We live in Pennsylvania. So we've been up to Maine. We go back to see family in Michigan and Minnesota. Last summer, we decided to do a big trip and got to Hawaii and actually did a big fun trip. So we've done a lot of different things. So we have some great memories, but we've learned a lot along the way of how to do it without, you know, coming home and going, that was awful. I wish that we hadn't gone because you do have those days. So yeah, I'm happy to share some more of those tips and things that we've learned throughout the time that we have together. Thanks, Kristen. All right, Rachel, go ahead. All right. I'm Rachel Bell. I know Melissa from, I was the director of a retreat for foster and adoptive moms for seven years. And Melissa was our last speaker at our last retreat. So we've been friends ever since then. I live in Arkansas with my husband, Evan, and we have four children. All four of our children joined our family through adoption and they are 13, 11, seven, and one. We travel has, it's, it's something that was important to my family growing up. Like, just like you said, Kristen, and it's 
It's something that has really been important to our family. We just really feel like the shared experiences and the connection that we have on travel when we travel, you know, it's the just focus on your family has really allowed our family to have stronger bonds. And now, of course, we have we have things that make travel more difficult. And so we've had some really terrible trips and we've had some really great trips. And I, I like to say like there's no bad vacation because either which is my personality, because like if we if we have a bad one, then we just know all the things we don't do next time. Right. Like or how we change it for next time. So it's like, you know, and even a bad vacation can have some fun memories. Like I don't, I don't like there are two vacations in particular that I took with my family growing up that were terrible experiences, but we laugh about them all the time now. Like we joke about those terrible experiences. So even the bad vacations can have bonding experiences and things that connect your family years later. So don't like, don't be discouraged by those. But in my family, we have autism, OCD, anxiety, traumatic brain injury, a longer list of things. I, it would take me five minutes maybe to list all the things, but I myself have an autoimmune disease and I have several severe food allergies. So all of those things complicate travel and have shaped my experiences. Yeah. So I am so excited to hear from you guys because you're obviously super qualified to tell us things that we should be thinking about as we plan vacations with our families. So let's start with the planning part. Like what, Rachel, what are your best tips for thinking ahead in terms of planning? You already mentioned some food things. So what are the other things that you take into account when you're planning? Well, I, I have like a, a list here. I, I just, I just kind of want to reiterate, like there's no bad vacation, you know, like when you're planning, like, you know, you want to set yourself up for success. You want to have realistic expectations, all of those things, but also like, if it doesn't go well, you can monitor and adjust. You know, we'll talk about those things. But some some tips that are really important to me when planning a vacation are to prep my kids, like prep, 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 prep my kids. Surprise vacations, they are not for families like mine. I have we have tried that. We've tried to surprise our kids with Disney World or, you know, different things like that. And first of all, the reaction is not Instagram worthy. They're not excited. They're like, wait, what is happening to me? <laughs> They, they, it's not, it doesn't go well. And then the other thing is they feel, you know, they feel anxious about what's about to happen to them. So prepping them so they know exactly what's going to happen and even involving them in the planning process. I find that that really helps our family have a successful vacation. If we're all doing the research about the the location together and there are some choices and we allow our children to make some of those choices. If they take some ownership on the vacation, it really helps their attitudes and their willingness to do the things that we plan to do when they feel like it was their idea or they were involved in the planning process. So those things we always do. And that, like, we also do things like, in, as far as like prepping our kids, we do things like watch YouTube videos about the location where we're going to. So nothing is shocking to them. Nothing is a surprise. They know what to expect. That's a, a strong way to set your family up for success. Another thing I have on here is, let's hold on just a second, <laughs> is like, okay, so if you're new to traveling with your family and you're not sure how it's going to go. I would encourage you to take risks, like to do things that you aren't, you know, that you think that your family can handle, but you're not a hundred percent sure, but also have a backup plan. 
always have a backup plan, always have an exit strategy. You know, this is our, this is what we want to do on this day. But if that doesn't go well, this is what we're going to do instead. Those have also been really helpful to us. Love it. Thank you. Kristen, what has worked well for your family? Yeah, I was just going to say a lot of that same stuff of not surprising your kids that, you know, the times that we don't tell our kids as much, it doesn't go as well. I am a planner. So I literally, I usually just take like literally a spiral notebook or something not, I've tried it with a piece of paper and it usually gets lost. So I try to take like a spiral notebook and I write down the things we're going to do every day or put it on your phone or something like that and say like, this day we're planning to do this. This day is planning to do this. Plan the days in there for downtime. I was going to say when we travel, we definitely don't plan a full, full schedule because it doesn't seem to go very well for us when we don't do that either. It's like everybody's together too much. And that gets hard. So just planning, like, even if you just have the afternoon where there's like, we're only going to be at the hotel or the condo or wherever we're at, that's really been helpful for us. But yeah, so I do just, I write everything down. I say this day, the plan is for this. I plan ahead. I try to get as much of the stuff ahead of time when we're at home, like tickets for things. I try to find out you know, how can we get the tickets? Is there a cheaper way to get the tickets? Would it help if we get a membership to somewhere, all of that kind of stuff. When you're looking for a place to stay, we've pretty much stopped doing hotels with our family unless absolutely necessary because with a family of six or larger, or even sometimes five, four is okay, but I guess, but it's really hard. And we have some of the same stuff going on that Rebecca was, or that Rachel was mentioning with one of our kids has autism and some trauma stuff and hotels with everybody in one room together are just not really setting us up for success. So we definitely either look for a hotel, like Homewood suites are great because they have two bedrooms and you get like a living room and you don't pay that much more. If we do need to do hotels, we also look at like embassy suites or Drury inns are great because not only do you get a suite, but you often get food a lot of the time and it's right there at the hotel. Food's a big one for us. I try to plan our activities, but I also try to plan out our food. And the most helpful thing for that is usually when we're traveling somewhere, if we're in the car, we're on the plane, I try to do like a grocery pickup order as we're going there so that it's ready. And we can literally like pick it up on the way to wherever we're staying so that you don't get there and go, shoot, everybody's hungry. Everybody's tired. We have no food. It's all there. You don't have to go rush out the next morning. It's there. And if you have it available, I also, we did stay at a hotel for a conference with just myself and two of our kids last summer. And we were able to do Walmart grocery delivery where the person delivered it directly to our hotel, which was also great because we were able to order some things that we could just keep, we only had a mini fridge and a microwave, but we were able to keep in the mini fridge and the microwave. It saved us money. Um, it saved me time of having to figure out, okay, where are we going to go to eat? So just trying to plan ahead for all those logistics and not have to do that when you're actually there trying to relax has been really helpful for our family. Yeah. I think those are all really good forward thinking. I always think it's like the secret service, right? You know, like there's a secret service that goes ahead of the president and like thinks about all the things that could go wrong and then like makes their plan or like sets them up for success. That's kind of, I think, how we have to think ahead for our families, you know, think about all the things that might, could 
go wrong and how can you, you know, scaffold supports around yourselves. With that, for folks that hang around the podcast or the Adoption Connection, the Reclaim Compassion coaching program, I'm always talking about definition of success and how we define success for things and how we have to define success by things that we can control. And recently one mom was like, yeah, whenever I think about success now, I always think about it in statements that start with I will, because they're always like active and they're things that, you know, we can do, you know, so all that to say, I think, you know, a flawless vacation where everyone has fun is a great, like we call them icing on the cake, like wins or goals. Right. But I think realistically that, if we defined our vacations by that, then they wouldn't all feel successful. And Rachel, to your point, you've said like, they can all be successful. It's just all about how we think about it or what we've learned from it. So Kristen, what are some ways that you've managed your expectations when you're traveling with your family? I think exactly what you just said, using our family's definition of success and not the you know, normal definition of what a vacation is going to be because what success looks like for us is, did we get there in one piece? Yeah. (laughs) Like that's the first step. And overall, are most of us enjoying the vacation? Yes. Like we have one kid who we know is probably going to be a little disgruntled on the whole trip, no matter what, like, because, you know, they just, one little thing was just not the way that they wanted And just being okay with that and not, and kind of saying that's probably how it's going to be and not letting it ruin the whole trip. And just really saying, this is what it looks like for our family. I recently talked to someone. So our youngest son is a power wheelchair user. And I was talking to someone who is a dad and has the same disability and uses crutches to walk. And he said, you know, when I go on vacation, it's pretty much a given that I'm going to fall down. He's like, we kind of joke around. It's not really a vacation if dad doesn't trip and fall at some point on the trip. And it's like, okay, like they kind of have gotten to the point where they're like, okay, it just, it is what it is, you know, and just being okay with that and trying to just keep the perspective of it is what it is for our family. And we need to be okay with that, you know, and really trying to like, just not even, and even when you're at a place, you know, like if you're, if you're at like the beach or something, you're, and you see the other perfect family, you know, that, that is a struggle for my husband and I sometimes, because like, we'll be out and we'll be like, look at those people with their one or two kids. And it looks so easy for them, you know, and just reminding yourself, like everybody has hard stuff you know, our hard stuff is different than their hard stuff. Just trying to keep all of that perspective, trying to look at my list of like tangible stuff. Some of the like actual tangible things we do, like I said, we don't schedule stuff in every single day because it doesn't work well for our family. When we do like Florida to do Disney or something, we do one park and another activity. And then we just hang out at the pool because that works well for us. And that's okay. You know, and just being like, no, we're not going to Florida and we're not doing every single park that there is and being okay with that because that's what works for our family. Yeah. I think, I think those are probably some of the biggest things of just kind of reminding yourself what your definition of success looks like for your family. Probably. What about you, Rachel? What are some expectation management tips that you would have? 
I well, you know, we've all said the same thing, but just to reiterate, the you can have a successful vacation and never take one that looks like your friends or other people that you see. You know, you can you can make great memories with your family. You can go all over the world and do all kinds of things. And there may be certain things that you never do, but but that doesn't mean you're not also doing great things and you're not making memories and building bonds in your family and you know strengthening your family and having a great time. Like it that I mean, so much of our lives, if you're here in this conversation, look different than people around you. And vacations are just like that. It doesn't mean that they're that they're worse. They're just different. And like Kristen said, like I totally lost my train of thought after I said, like Kristen said. <laughs> what I was gonna say. Like you said, oh gosh. But anyway, I, you know, it's just like that you're set low expectations, set realistic expectations based on your family. Nobody knows your family like you know your family. Even though, you know, Kristen and I have these experiences with our family, we probably have different experiences from one another. And we probably have different, you know, our family dynamics. We have, may have some similarities from the people listening, but. But they're not, nobody's family is exactly the same. You're the only one who knows your exact family. You're the only one who can set the expectations for your exact family. But I do think it's helpful to, to do things like to join a Facebook group for families like yours. And th- there are going to be people in there that are discussing travel for your specific thing, whatever it is, food allergies or a certain diagnosis or whatever, you know, and like asking questions to people like you, that's a good way to kind of manage, like manage your expectations by learning from other people with similar things before you go. I think it's also important, you know, I've, I've already said this, but just to constantly reevaluate your vacation while you're in it and, you know, monitor and adjust what's going on, what's going right. What do we want to, you know, change? What have we planned that maybe isn't a good idea? And just like, don't give up. You know, I, I've been on vacations where some of our best memories as a family and some of our worst memories came from the same vacation. We went on an RV road trip in 2020. And when we think about it now, like we talk about it, like it was the greatest time ever. And we do have some great memories from it. There was also a day where I tried to take my children to on a hike to see the arch at Arches National Park. That is a very strenuous hike. And it was July and they were literally scream crying on the trail. And like, it was, it was a disaster. And we, we made it, we made it like three fourths of the way up and then came down without seeing the arches at all. I cried on the way down because we didn't make it to the arches. And so then we like drove to another point where we could see them like with binoculars basically. And we took a picture there. And one of my sons is like, he's he's crying and he looks like he hates his life. I mean, it's the worst picture ever. It's really funny now to look at, but that same day we came back to our RV and I made dinner and I was sitting on a, at a picnic table outside the RV. One of my children went inside the RV a few minutes later, water, we had rented this RV, by the way, it wasn't ours. It's important to note. It was not ours. Water just came pouring out of like all the, every crack in the whole RV, water was just pouring out. And I ran and opened the door and water rushed out the door. And that child had flooded the bathroom, flooded the whole RV. I mean, it was, it was a thing. I mean, it was, we, 
I hope the person we rented it from doesn't ever hear this, but we cleaned it up. Everything was fine. And we, that was just one day and we had some other great experiences, but that was the same trip, you know? So I think just like, never feel like this is a disaster. We're done. We're never traveling again. There's, you know, it's just, it's just how things are. Like there's great moments and there are not great moments. Well, I think that's so important, right? I think it's so much harder to accept those moments if you go in hoping for this picture perfect vacation. And then you have like all the grief and all the things when it doesn't quite go. But if you kind of go with that, anything could happen, it's all going to be an adventure (laughs) mindset, then, you know, some of those things, hopefully you can look back at and laugh later. (laughs) Okay. So Rachel, what other tried and true tips did we miss? Like what other things are saving your life right now when it comes to vacations and your family? Okay. So when we first, when Melissa first talked to Kristen and I about doing this podcast, I was actually on a vacation. So I, my husband and I were like writing things down like while we were on it. Cause you know, there's nothing like the feeling of actually being there and knowing, you know, helping yourself remember what your tips are, but something, so I have seven. The first one is leave while it's going well. That is, that is a joke between my husband and I, if we are ever like at some kind of activity, a museum, a theme park, a dinner, whatever, like we are somewhere and we look at each other or we just think in our own heads, wow, this is really going well. It's time to leave because (laughs) most of the time when something is going well, we stay too long because we're really enjoying it and we keep staying and then it doesn't go well and it ends badly. And you would rather, you know, leave that, that experience with a smile on your face than drag four crying people to the car. So we always joke, like leave when it's going well. And if either of us ever says, this is going really well, we're like, Oh, Oh, we gotta go. (laughs) So that that's a joke between us, but it's serious. It really does make a difference. Another tip I have is ask for what you need. You would be really surprised, I think, how much other people want to help you, whether you're in a restaurant, in an airport, any type of public transportation. If there, if something is not going well and there's an actual need that the staff around you could meet, if you just ask somebody, a lot of times they will help you. We, so many times in an airport, we have had an issue where we either needed to board early and we had not paid to do that or we needed to board last. Like there are different things that we have needed depending on what kind of meltdown was happening. And if if we just express that to someone, we've received so much help from people around us just by asking for what we need. The worst that can happen is they say no, or they say they're not able to help. So ask for what you need. Number three, think outside the box. As we've said, you know, like travel can be so successful for us, but it but it may look different than other people you know. Two things that I have on the list for that is, you know, we do Disney World a lot as a family and and we're able to do that successfully. I haven't seen the fireworks at Magic Kingdom in, in years. We go to Disney World regularly. We cannot do the fireworks. But we have a tradition in our family of riding rides when the fireworks are going on because there's nobody at the rides. And so that that's just something that's fun for us. And then nobody's worried about I I do have children that could handle the fireworks and would like to go to them, but because we really focus on what our fam, what our thing is in our family, nobody, you know, it's fine that we don't, I don't even, I'm not sad that we miss the fireworks. My kids that would tolerate the fireworks are not sad because that's what we do. 
And then just recently we went to the beach and we tried something that we called a backwards beach day. And we like, we went out to lunch instead of out to dinner. And then we like took, like had a very slow day and we rolled up on the beach at like 4 PM when everyone else was leaving, basically had the beach to ourselves. And it was so much better for us than walking out on the beach at 10 AM when all of Florida is out there and, you know, that has not been as successful for us. So just trying some things that, you know, really brainstorming with your family or with the internet, whatever, whatever is helpful to you to just maybe view things in a different way, maybe try something, you know, unexpected. That's a good way to find success for your family. Okay. Four, pre-talk pressure points. Pictures are a real pressure point for our family. They're very important to me because I feel like my kids are going to want to know the places that they've been, but they don't, some of them don't love to take pictures. So if we're like, you know, Hey, tonight we're going to go to this place and I would really love to have a picture there. Like, you know, pre-talking it, like how many, how many pictures do you think are realistic or well, like kind of, kind of making a deal with whichever kid has an issue with that. That has been a good way. Like, or I have my particular child that causes issues during pictures. If I'll just be like, you know, what would make it work out for you? Like, I really need this picture. It's really important to me. What would make it not stressful for you? And kind of let that child have some feedback. Just anyway, pre-talking that has really taken some of the stress off of it for us. And and that includes me listening to my child and not taking 40 pictures whenever, you know, they agreed to two or whatever. So, okay. Another one is quality over quantity. That goes back to leave while it's going well. Like having a couple of quality moments on your trip is so much more important than, you know, doing all the things you want to do. And maybe there's a trip where you, you had 10 things you wanted to do and you only got to five, but if those five went well, you know, that's successful. I'm going to pick up the pace here. And then I've said this a million times, but even a bad vacation can become a fun, like a funny family memory. So don't be discouraged in those moments. Obviously it's fine to be upset whenever things go poorly, but you know, you're going to laugh about a lot of it. You're going to laugh about it later, or it's still going to be a family memory. You're still going to reference it. It's still something that connects your, your people, even if it's like, just between you and your spouse or, you know, like you guys are like, wow, we really, we survived that (laughs) trauma bond, whatever. Like there are, there are benefits of traveling, even in the moments where it doesn't go well. And then something that we like to do is kind of have like a meeting at the end of a trip and talk about, you know, what went right, what went wrong and use that while it's fresh in your mind to make notes of how you want to travel and not travel on your next vacation. Okay. I feel like that was worth the price of admission right there. Those seven tips, Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to remember the leave whenever you feel like it's going well. All right, Kristen, what do you have to add? I have some more specific things. I was just going to say, I like to think outside the box because we also have done the ride, the rides during the fireworks at Magic Kingdom and nobody complained about it. Like we did the I can't even, the like the lamest one, like the people mover, we were on like all by ourselves and it was so cool. And you could kind of see the fireworks. And so, and those, you know, I just Googled stuff before of like tips for Magic Kingdom, because I remember even like when our girls were little. So when we had it easy still with just two kids thinking, okay, I know that my daughter needs a nap. 
and we're doing one day of the park and reading someone's tip of sit on the carousel of progress. It is air conditioned. It is dark and your child will fall asleep because it's boring and you can give them a nap and you can sit there for like half an hour and no one cares because no one really wants to go on that ride that much. So they won't care if you just sit there and you actually don't get up. Like you can just say to the person, my kid might fall asleep. Can I just keep riding it? And they usually let you. So definitely I agree with you thinking outside the box of what works for your family. And then yes, also being assertive. So I mentioned that our youngest son is a power wheelchair user. So flying with him with his wheelchair is very, very difficult. Wheelchairs often get broken. So if there's any other families who have that on here, you know, I'm happy to share more specific tips later, but we really just had to be so specific and ask for help and be assertive, which is not something my husband and I are always like super great at, but we're getting better. And I think Rachel, you're really right. You need to be willing to ask for what your family needs. And the worst thing that people can do is say no, but the best thing is they can go out of their way to help you and make your day a lot easier and go a lot smoother. And your kids then are learning how to ask for their own, you know, what they need and what you need as a family too. So some of my other specific tips, I was going to say the best thing that we do on road trips is we, and we do this literally, we do a lot of road trips because we have family back in Michigan. So it's like a 10 hour drive. So we pretty much have just figured out where the subway restaurants are and we bring chips and we bring drinks and we bring some other snacks and we know like we're going to drive to the subway. I'm going to go in. I know what everybody's sandwich order is. I'm just going to get the same thing we always get. We put them in a cooler and we drive a little bit further and then everybody has their sandwich and their chips and their drink. And then when it's time to get out, we don't have to get out to like go find fast food. We can get out. Everybody can actually walk around. Our stops are shorter. So it gets us places faster. Like for us, sometimes when we do fast food, when we're on the road, everybody's kind of like, I feel bad. Now I had a bunch of fast food. I'm sitting in the car. So Subway has worked really well for us. It's lower cost. Everybody feels better. And it saves our stops when we're driving to be able to get out and actually do something. I also wanted to share, I recently met another adoptive mom who runs a blog called Wonders Within Reach. And she basically shares all of their travel tips. And one of the things she was saying is like, they have, they travel a lot between Pennsylvania and Florida for medical stuff. And she's like, there's this great playground that we know of that's right off from 95 in Richmond, Virginia. And she's like, that's our go-to spot. Like we know we eat lunch right before that or whatever, or right after that. And we get out and the kids get to run around at the playground. So trying to plan ahead for some of those things, give your kids like an incentive. We even like our kids don't really get vending machine stuff very often. So when we are doing the drives, we're like, Hey, you get to go get to the vending machine, you know, and it's the fun of like a couple dollars and they get to watch it fall down and pick their own snacks and stuff. So even just little stuff like that, I feel like really, really helps us on the road trips that are super boring when you're doing stuff that's maybe you're not going somewhere new. Yeah. I was going to share, we try to do a beach day. We've also done, we haven't intentionally done the beach in the evening, but I was thinking when you said it, we did one time just end up at the beach in the evening. And it was so, so nice because there was no one there. We've tried to do different beaches 
and it has gone very badly. We've had, we've had where, you know, we've tried a new beach just because it's like, Hey, everybody's talking about this beach. We should give it a try. And most of us don't love to be in the sun for the whole day. So we bring the beach tent and we get to the beach to find out, Oh, you can't bring that kind of beach tent here. You have to use this particular kind. And then we're like, we already have, you know, like, and logistically, you just don't know that stuff until you get there. And then it happens to be the same day where it actually starts raining, like sleeting rain on the beach. And, you know, just that kind of stuff that um, you just have to sort of say, okay, like, this is just, it is what it is. It's not the only beach day we've ever had. It really stinks while we're here, but just accepting it and kind of going, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, we do a lot of road trips and I know we we have a wide age range, probably not as wide as some families, but like 10 years. And we have done a lot of listening to either radio dramas or books in the car because it keeps people from talking, which keeps people from arguing. So we've used that for many, many years. (laughs) Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't really say, but we're not like we don't necessarily let our kids do a a ton of electronic time. Like we try to keep a handle on that at home, but in the car, we kind of just go, it is what it is. Just watch the screen. Like, and if it keeps everybody happy until we get there, I mean, and just being okay with that again, and not like not making yourself feel guilty about, Oh, my kids are watching the screens for five hours in the car, you know, and just saying it's having that conversation, be like, it's part of travel. It's a privilege, you know, like that kind of thing. And just being okay with that, not feeling bad, I think has been really helpful too. We do the same thing. We, we have very few electronic rules in the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, before we jump into Q and a, so if you do have questions saved up, you can start popping those into the chat. I wanted to give both Kristen and Rachel a chance to tell us a little bit about what they do in terms of the work that they do with adoptive families and other families and how it intersects with vacationing. So Kristen, why don't you share about Cherry Blossom first? Sure. So we originally are from Michigan. I mentioned we live in Pennsylvania now. And the reason, the main reason for our move was because our two youngest kids have medical needs. And so we ended up moving to be closer to the children's hospital that kind of specializes in the needs that they have. So for a while we were traveling back and forth just for medical appointments and those were really our vacations. And so that wasn't really our long-term goal was to have all of our family vacations just be for doctor's appointments. And so in those in those drives, we kind of started having the conversations of like, man, this kind of really stinks, like that we have to do this for our vacations. And we were fortunate to be able to move. And so as we though have been here, we meet so many families like ours who are flying across the country for medical appointments, all of those things that it really limits your actual vacation time. So over the course of all of that and experiencing that meeting families like cars who are not getting to vacation because they're doing medical stuff or adoptive families who also, as probably I assume everyone on here knows, adoption is expensive and cuts into most of our normal budgets and sometimes doesn't leave a lot left for vacation. So we decided to start a nonprofit two and a half years ago called Cherry Blossom Vacations. Our mission is to give adoptive families, foster families, and families who have special needs a no-cost vacation stay. 
So we are currently in the fundraising stage. Our long-term goal is to buy a house that we as the nonprofit will own. And then we will use that house just to give vacation stays to families like ours who are not vacationing because as we know, there's so many different reasons. There's financial reasons. There's just logistical reasons of it's just too hard, too overwhelming. I have to bring too many things. My kids might lose it while we're there and I don't even want to risk that. So we're hoping that by giving families a stay that's number one, no cost, and number two, in a place that can be set up to help families like ours have less things to bring, have less things to think about, things like, you know, some families need to travel with a safety bed. Some families, including ours, we have one kid who has to be in his own bedroom. He cannot share a bedroom with other people. And so knowing that, you know, there is a room that if a child needs to be in their own room, they can be in it. If you need to put a little door doorbell thing on it to know when they come in and out of the room, you can do that and not have to think about all of those things. So along with fundraising, we're also partnering with, we have about five vacation homes at the moment that their homeowners are donating time for us to match families with. So we do have a rather long waiting list. Unfortunately, the need is obviously there. So That is what we're doing. We're matching a few families as we can at a time. We just have had um, our first two families vacation and we have two more vacationing coming up in May. So we would love to have families apply. I'm trying to be realistic with people and say it is a rather long waiting list, but our hope is that we will continue to fundraise and get to a point where we have our own house and then we'll be able to help lots of families be able to vacation. Yeah. So more importantly, if you know someone who would like to sponsor or donate towards, you know, our families being able to have vacations, that would also help as well. Or if you have connections in the vacation world. Rachel, what about you? I started a travel planning company in August. I, for the last, the 10 years before that I did, I worked in support for foster and adoptive families and that I transitioned to this in, in August. And this it really has a lot of a lot of similarities as far as a lot of the families I work with but the my company specializes in travel for families with family for families in general and then for individuals with disabilities invisible or visible disabilities and food allergies as i said those are things that my family has experienced personally and we are passionate about vacations i not only have I, have we you know seen the benefits of vacations in our family but in the years that i was working in support for foster and adoptive families some of our biggest events were like our we had a family camp that we did yearly and that meant so much to families because it was a vacation for them and a connection opportunity and it it was really more than they bargained for. Like they, they did, they went, you know, looking for something to do a low cost vacation. It was over spring break and they left just really feeling like it was such a different, like such a, an important experience for their family. Something where it kind of feels like sometimes like vacations are just like something extra, you know, like something not necessary. And, and that, I mean, there are situations where that's true. Vacations have to be extra depending on the budget, which I love your organization, Kristen. That's, that's awesome. But also like vacations for my family are a priority because it really, they really can be an investment in your family. And so anyway, just we, my husband and I talked for a year before I started this, this company, just kind of about what was next for me. And this feels like it felt like at the time, like just, you know, the right, 
meeting of all of my experiences and things that were important to our family. So anyway, I help families plan travel to currently booking all Disney destinations, which would is in like Disney World, Disneyland. Disney has a resort in Hawaii called Alani, Disney Cruise Line. Disney also does some abroad travel with Adventures by Disney, those things. And then most major cruise lines and Atlantis and the Bahamas are the things I'm booking right now. All of my services are free to the traveler. The companies that I work with actually pay me. So you guys do not have to. So that is what I'm doing with Bell Travel Co. Awesome. So real quick, Rachel, what's the best place for folks to find Bell Travel Co? Do you have a website, socials? I do. I have on Instagram, it's at Bell Travel Co. And then my website is belltravel.co. Perfect. And Kristen, where can folks find Cherry Blossom? Cherryblossomvacations.org. All right. So thank you both for sharing all of your wisdom and tips. I know we're going to continue to do that in the Q&A, but thanks for taking time to think through some of those things with me here on the podcast and for the workshop. We are so thankful for the amazing guests who share their wisdom and expertise with us. Adoptive parenting gives us both the challenge and the opportunity to keep learning new tools and perspectives. If you'd like to hear more from our guests and get support on this topic, all of our workshops, including the Q&As, are available to folks inside our group coaching program called Reclaim Compassion. To learn more, go to reclaimcompassion.com. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. Our new Instagram handle is at postadoptionresources. Or better yet, join our free Facebook community at theadoptionconnection.com slash Facebook. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. And remember, you're a good parent doing good work. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.